Welcome to Your Food Looks Funny. I am Marcus T, and today's topic is going to be about tools in the kitchen. I'm not eating that. I'm not eating that. All right, so today we're talking about kitchen tools. So these are things that make your life so much easier when cooking in the kitchen. And I've, I've talked about doing this episode for a long time but I've just now gotten around to doing it. But it's such an essential piece of becoming a more efficient cook at home. So a lot of times people just don't want to cook at home because they're either, you know, don't have the setup that they want or, you know, they just don't feel like it. Sometimes that's perfectly okay to just not feel like cooking. I get it. I do it for a living, which is the ultimate excuse to not want to cook at home. So I totally feel where you're coming from just for an essential piece of your life. It's crazy how much we would rather uh, have somebody cook for us, something that goes in our body daily. We would rather buy it a lot of times, especially being a millennial. You know, time is so valuable. And, and I think we're a generation that has maximized time and the, the value of it. Uh, I think it's because of our older generations pounding it into us about how valuable the time that we have is. So all that time we spent watching TV and, you know, playing video games and stuff, when they, they called it wasted time, and I don't want to make this into a big thing about, you know, generations, but they talked about us wasting time. And I think every generation talks about that uh, with the younger generation about how they don't take advantage of their youth. But we took those things that wasted time initially when we were kids and we've parlayed them into being actual jobs now. So playing video games is now jobs, you know, being on TV and making videos and just acting silly in social media. We made those into jobs. So kudos to us. But moving past that, I just want to get into kitchen equipment that had nothing to do with each other, really. But, you know, like I said, saving time in the kitchen is where I was going with that ultimate uh, display of uh of youth here. Um, but getting into kitchen equipment in general, I'm just going to name off a few things that will make your life so much easier in the kitchen. I'll start off with a few cheaper ones and we'll work our way up to the bigger ones. I'll have a couple bonus things and some no brainers also that you should have in the kitchen. I'm going to start off with something that I mentioned in several episodes and that I have in the house. I have most of these things in the house, but number one, having a thermometer that's number one so number one you want to have a meat thermometer or just you know an instant read digital thermometer uh, on Amazon this will cost you around 10 bucks um, it's you know very inexpensive but something that will help you not overcook foods or not undercook foods or have to continuously check them or cut them open and it will just help out your life so much easier by having this one simple thing. Um, going back to the episodes about how to cook chicken in episode uh, four or five, I'm not sure. But episode four and five were steak and chicken, I do believe, respectively. And I made reference to using a meat thermometer in both of those. And getting those items to the right temperature can ultimately make or break the meal for some people. So having that piece of equipment which is very inexpensive, around $10, uh, would be very helpful in that instance. So make sure you have that in your kitchen. And there are three of these items that I'm just going to say that some people might not have, but they're very helpful. And then I'm going to name some no-brainers, which are things you should have before I even said anything about them. And then a couple bonus items that, you know, are just super optional, but they're 
a little bit more expensive as well. So we'll get to those at the end. But starting off with the meat thermometer and then another thermometer, oven thermometer. So number two, whether you live in an apartment, a house, a townhouse, whatever, it's not often that you're in a situation where you have a brand new oven. And even if you do, it still might not be calibrated to the temperature that you've set it to. So most people when their temperature when their oven comes on, it automatically sets it to 350. That's like the universal standard of temperatures for an oven for cooking things. So 350 will be your standard. Um, sometimes you'll raise it higher or lower depending on what you're doing in the oven. But how often have you followed a recipe that said cook something at a certain temperature and it didn't quite come out in the time frame or the way that the recipe said it would? And I've done this so many times and it was years before I realized what part of the problem was. Other than when I lived with my parents, obviously, I haven't lived in a house. I've always lived in an apartment. So moving from oven to oven, sometimes gas, sometimes electric can be a guessing game, especially with how much baking that I do. Guessing what temperature the oven is on when you're making cakes, cupcakes, cookies and brownies is not fun when you get the end result that took too long or it came out overdone. So an oven thermometer, which will cost you less than 10 bucks, I think I, the running range that I saw was about seven to eight dollars. I think the one that we have costs like eight bucks, but putting in a thermometer directly in your oven, that way you can check the temperature on that actual thermometer will help eliminate the guessing game of what your temperature in your oven is at. Because when you set the temperature on your oven to 350 or, you know, whatever you set it to, to cook whatever particular dish you're making, the oven may be in that range. So it may be, you know, 365, you set it to 350, it might be a 335. It's gonna range sometimes. It's not gonna be exactly the same. And even if it does hit exactly at 350, you hear the beep, you preheated it, you think you're ready to go, you go ahead and, you know, open the oven door, you stick your dish in there. Uh, you've just killed some of the temperature because the colder air outside the oven has now integrated itself into the oven, which is going to lower your temperature. Now the oven has to go back up to wherever you wanted it to be. Now that's completely changed the time frame and the temperature of your oven. And obviously you can't eliminate the opening of the oven with um with the thermometer, but you will have a an idea of how far that temperature is now off. Especially if you have a glass door oven, you can look through and see the thermometer just went down. Hey, it's down to 330 now. I need to see how quickly it can go back up to 350 because that's going to affect the time of how long something now has to bake. And if you're making a dish that has to bake for an hour, you know, that may drastically alter and you don't want to panic and continuously open the oven to see, hey, you know, this might not be done. This might be done. If you're right around that temperature and you can see it on the oven, chances are you're going to be closer to the time frame that the recipe said to make something. Um, also going along with that oven thermometer, this is not a piece of equipment that you need to have. Chances are you already have it, which is obviously your oven. Making sure you know what kind of oven you have, though, may be an essential part of that. So it has just become more prominent in the past, you know, 10, 15 years, maybe mostly 10 years of more people having convection ovens in their home. And defining the difference between two main types of ovens that you may have in your home is a conventional and a convection. I don't know if people have ever noticed this on recipes where sometimes it'll say preheat your oven if it's conventional to 375 is if it's convection 
preheated to 350. Well, they both heat, but with a conventional oven, normally the heat source is just from the bottom. So it'll either have an electric element or, you know, gas flames underneath the bottom of the oven that will distribute just by raising in the oven themselves. With a convection oven though, it has a fan. So the fan is going to distribute the heat quicker and more evenly throughout your oven, which normally cooks things a little bit faster. Science. So when you cook in a convection Science. oven, normally things cook a little bit faster because your oven can get back up to temperature that much faster. I've said that much faster like four times already, but that's what I meant. Okay. So with a convection oven, you don't have to worry less about temperature changes, drops and and raises because it will regulate the temperature more even and a lot faster with convection or with conventional ovens, which most ovens were. And I know me living in apartments, unless you live in a, you know, a higher end apartment where they have newer ovens, possibly, you know, you might have a convection oven. Good for you. But, you know, I haven't gotten that experience in an apartment yet. So in my apartment, we have an electric stove and oven. And it's regular conventional, so it's not the best thing to bake on. But with the oven thermometer, it has made it so much easier to hit the right temperatures and making sure that you have whatever your dish is in the middle of your oven. Because if it's too low, it'll be too close to the element. The bottom might burn. If you broil something and you have it too high, it might burn the top of it. So making sure you have the oven thermometer in there, again, less than $10 to get one. It just hangs from the racks, or you can sit it on the racks in your oven. It's heat safe, obviously, um, but it'll tell you what the temperature of your oven is so you don't have to play the guessing game. And just because your oven beeps, you don't think it's, you know, at the right temperature. Your oven, your oven don't know no better. Let me say it that way. Your oven don't know where it is. So don't let that beep fool you. Get you an oven thermometer and make sure you know exactly where that oven is. Okay, so now we got past the meat thermometer, the oven thermometer. I'm going to name off a few things that most people should already have in, in their household. And then I'll talk about one more thing that you should get. So making sure you have tongs, because I've seen a lot of people flip meat with a fork or something. As soon as you poke meat or, you know, something delicate, you know, you're, you're compromising the integrity of the actual thing itself. So if you poke uh, a steak or salmon or something and then flip it over, you're you're messing with the moisture content of that particular object or just the integrity because if it becomes more tender you you might possibly tear it apart tongs give you a more secure turn i know most people think of using tongs when they think of grilling or something it it's valuable in the actual kitchen too with you know hearty cuts of fish like salmon i use tongs i don't use a fork i don't use a spatula because you're worried about tearing off skin and some other things, but having tongs helps with that a lot more. Um, I'm not really gonna name the co the cost of off these things because you can usually find so many different versions at so many prices, it's usually pretty easy to find a cheap one. Also having a rubber or heat safe spatula um, helps with uh, getting things out of mixing bowls. So if you need to get uh, the last little bit of honey or some sauce out of something, a bowl, using that rubber spatula, that helps save money. And I'm going to talk in the next episode about um, why certain ingredients cost so much, but I'll dabble a little bit in food cost in general and how much food gets wasted in a household, but not scraping the last little bit of sauce or soup or, 
you know, whatever thing out of the bowl and then rinsing it out. That's money going down the drain, people. So that rubber spatula will help you get that last little bit of stuff out of the bowl, whether you're baker, but it helps when mixing in uh, or stirring something in Teflon. You don't want to use metal. You want to use rubber or heat safe spatulas because it won't scratch up your Teflon and your non-stick surfaces. Um, so tongs, rubber spatula, the, again, these should be things you should already have, but I'm going through them anyway. So tongs, rubber spatula, measuring cups and spoons, people. Measuring cups and spoons. A story behind measuring cups and spoons. Here we go. Uh, what, what generations of my family and several other people's families that I know, soul food. Soul food, in my opinion, is based off of the fact that they measure it with their eyes closed it's like you're letting your soul tell you how much to throw in there none none of this other stuff about it feeding your soul is from people closing their eyes and measuring stuff with hand measurements and and a little bit of this and a dash of that and this is how much i put in there and i measure it with this bowl that nobody else owns come on that stuff doesn't work people it doesn't work if you want to duplicate these dishes. So a lot of people have cornered the market on soul food or certain things. And there are so many different versions because nobody measured with a lined measuring source. You know who got into this issue? America. America got into this issue, people. America is one of the only countries that uses feet, yards, ounces, all these random measurements that were made up by somebody. That's the situation we're in. The rest of the world is using the metric system. Okay, I don't want to get into a conversation about which country is better. That, that has nothing to do with it. But if America would have learned the metric system, we'd be so much better off. Why are we learning a foot that has 12 inches when we could have learned, you know, 10 of everything? Everything is in elements of 10. We have 10 fingers and toes. I mean, God was telling us to learn the metric system and America just ignored it. But I, I digress from there. So measuring cups and spoons just make your life easier. If you're making something and you're winging it, like I'm going to talk about in the next episode about kitchen improv, if you're doing some kitchen improv, you can still use a measuring cup or spoon. Just use that to gather your ingredients. So if you're grabbing a little bit of sugar, use a measuring cup and then dash a little bit in there and you'll know how much you used. A quarter cup at a time, a tablespoon at a time, and you can write it down and repeat it. You know, two weeks from now, instead of saying, hey, yeah, I put a little bit of this and a little bit of that. And no, that doesn't help me, people. That doesn't help me. Uh, your hand size is not my hand size. A handful is not a measurement. Get some measuring cups, dry, a liquid measuring cup, some spoons. If you don't have it already, please, I, I really hope you have it already. But moving past that. So uh, a couple of bonus things that I said I was going to talk about that are a little bit more expensive. A mixer. So having a stand mixer, again, this is a little bit more expensive. It's probably going to cost you $200 or more. Um, I got one for, you know, Christmas a few years ago. So I'm very excited about that, that I didn't actually pay for it with my own money. But thank you to my aunts who made that happen. And uh, but you never realize how much work you're doing, even with a hand mixer on certain things, especially with uh, the amount of baking that I do. It's not a ton but it's enough to be laborious if you have to do it by hand. So mixing cookie dough, brownie batter, cake batter, whatever it is, you'll get one nice solid shoulder from doing that all the time. And you'll realize, why is my shoulder hurting when the rain comes? It's because you was in there mixing that tough cookie dough by hand when you could have had a kitchen aid doing it for you. So getting a stand mixer, if you know, you're about that life, is well worth it. 
We have uh, an ice cream maker attachment for it, which comes very much in handy when my wife gets a craving for ice cream. I don't have to call up Ben and Jerry. I just go in there and do it the Marcus T way. Get some heavy cream, some eggs, we make it happen. Whatever flavor she wants, we do that. Um, so a mixer and also a food saver. So this one will cost you somewhere between 70 to $150 depending on what size you get. But it's a vac sealer. This will help you on food cost as well. Um, so eliminating some of that frostbite, uh, some of those uh, freezer burnt foods, um, stale foods, stuff going bad and getting moldy because a lot of that stuff goes bad because of the air that's around your food. So even if, even if you put it in a Ziploc bag and, you know, try to take out as much air as possible, there's still air in there. And air and moisture will make your foods go bad faster than almost anything else. Um, so a food saver will help eliminate a lot of that oxygen, which will feed the mold and the uh, deterioration process of your food. And it help increase the shelf life of dry foods, you know, foods you have in the refrigerator. We freeze our meats and things in the freezer and they last for six months to a year sometimes when normally they would be frosty within a couple months. And it just helps save space. A lot of times so a food saver again the one that we got well i think was around 100 bucks if you have a membership to like a costco or a sam's club they normally go on sale all the time they sell you know refills of bags and stuff in there for cheap so that is one of those things that can help you especially if you don't eat up a lot of extra food or you keep a freezer full of stuff and you constantly pull it out and it's frosty you can help eliminate a lot of that with a food saver and i'm not sponsored by them but if they want to give me a call i'm open so a food saver and a mixer are your two more expensive things. And then the last thing that I had to talk about, which was from the, you may not have it, but I want you to actively look for one if you don't have it already. Number three. So this thing is a knife, not just a regular knife, a sharp knife, a sharp knife with good versatility to it. And I'll define what those qualities are in a good knife. So most people, well, let me start here. My family growing up, a lot of people even peeled potatoes and having a peeler is one of those things that you should have automatically in your house too. Um, but in growing up in my family, a lot of people peeled things with a utility knife. So this is normally like a four inch knife. Uh, so the blade is about four inches long and it'll have maybe one inch width to it. Um, they'll peel with that by hand and you know chop onions and do other stuff by hand and they'll be sitting down and using this knife if you have the right knife and you have practiced using it and this doesn't mean you had to you know go to culinary school to do it just cutting up an onion every now and then or cutting up a potato every now and then is plenty of practice with a knife to be well enough to use it at home so having a six inch to nine inch chef knife in your house is a very versatile tool for cooking. So again, when I say six inch knife or nine inch, which is what I use at home is a nine inch chef knife, that's the blade, not the entire knife. The blade is that long. So a lot of people will call it the butcher knife or the Michael Myers knife, whatever you wanna call it. This knife, when paired with a cutting board, cause you should be doing it on a cutting board, when handled properly can save you so much time an effort with a lot of other things and having it sharp already or having a sharpener which will cost you less than you know 15 bucks for a sharpener the knife i recommend spending around 30 bucks to get you a decent one you can probably find one for less 
Um, and you can definitely find some for more expensive. The one that I got from culinary school was about a hundred bucks. Um, but the blades tend to last a lot longer. Um, so with a chef knife, again, you're looking for something six to nine inch blade to be using, but cutting your vegetables, buying things whole saves you more money. And again, I'll talk more about this in the next, uh, not the next episode on improv, but the episode probably after that, where I talk about why foods cost so much and saving more in your home. So having a sharp knife to cut up whole potatoes or cutting your own lettuce or cutting your onions instead of buying them that way will save you a lot more money because you're basically paying for the amount of onion that you've got and for them to cut it. So you're basically paying a labor cost on top of the actual ingredient itself. So keep that in mind when you buy something that's already chopped. Yes, it will save you time if you haven't already become efficient enough with the knife. And it doesn't take much to get familiar with your own knife. Starting off with a smaller one sometimes tends to help, but then having the versatility of having a nine inch or a longer knife, cutting pizzas and, you know, cutting cake layers. I can do a little bit of everything with my knife all the way down to cutting small ingredients. Even though it's a bigger knife, you'll learn to adjust to larger and smaller items. But having that sharp knife, again, costs you 30 bucks or less on Amazon to get a decent one for your house can save you money over time and just learning how to use it can just you know make your cooking experience that much easier because you don't have to dread going in there to start cooking you don't want to have to have the problem of uh all right we have stuff in here to cook but i need to cut up onions ah i need to cut up uh cucumber ah i don't want to do all that you know you just get discouraged at the beginning being able to get through that first part and cut items quickly you know, if you want to get into the, the part of having, you know, you know, your own electric food processor or having a, a, a small hand pool one, which I have at the house as well, um, it's just a thing that chops onions or stuff. You put it in there and you pull the string and it blitzes it. I think I got one for like 15 bucks off Amazon, but you can only fit so much stuff in there. If you just have a cutting board and a knife, you know, your space, you know, you, you have a lot more efficiency that you can use with the space of just using a knife and cutting things by hand, cutting, slicing your own tomatoes and lettuce. And, you know, some people might be saying, oh, I'm not eating all that stuff. I'm not eating that. But having the knife and being able to use that to cut up all these things is so much more helpful. And um, please let me know um, on any of the social medias that I you might see me on. So, uh, the at YFLF podcast on Instagram and you can find me on Facebook and Twitter or just send me a message on the contact page on your foodlooksfunny.com. There's a message box down there. You can send me a message. Let me know if it's if it's worth it for you guys to if I show you how to use a knife or certain tricks that I have for using a knife. So please let me know. But I think it's such a valuable skill to have when in the kitchen and again you don't have to be the primary cook in the house but if you know the husband or the wife that doesn't cook more says hey you want me to cut up those onions for you while you get the rest of that stuff ready and they can go in there in five minutes you know cut this clean the knife and go back and you know do what they got to do after that it's so helpful it's so helpful to not have to do the entire meal and having knife skills is normally an integral part of cooking a certain meal so knowing those basic knife skills can accelerate the cooking process and is a main staple of kitchen equipment, having a sharp knife. So if you have knives already that somebody gifted you 
for your wedding or birthday or housewarming or whatever, and you just haven't used them, get get familiar. Get familiar with those things. Uh, if they're not sharp, get a sharpener. Sharpen them. Doesn't take much, you know, but it, you're more likely to cut yourself on a dull knife because you have to strain than you are with a sharper knife. Get you a sharp knife. It's a chef's best friend, and that's all I'm going to say about that. So thank you for indulging me uh, in, indulging my rant on some kitchen equipment that you should have. Again, if you ain't cooking, don't worry about it. Have fun watching somebody else go to get this other equipment. But if, you know, you're in the kitchen every now and then and you making breakfast for the kids or something and you're like, I don't remember how much sugar I put in there. And then you remember Marcus said you were supposed to have some uh, some measuring cups in here and spoons. So just remember that. Otherwise, uh, check me out at yourfoodlooksfunny.com. Thank you guys for listening. Next episode on uh, Kitchen Improv, How You Wing It in the Kitchen. Um, check me out, like I said, on yourfoodlooksfunny.com. Donate to the show. Follow me on all my social media platforms. And I'll see you guys on the next one.